It's time, D-Heads. Disney Blue presents Disney On Demand. Every week, Disney Blue lets you relive the magic, the movies, and the memories with celebrity guests, the best of classic Disney, and breaking news on Disney's latest. So put on your ears and give it a little bibbidi-bobbidi-boo. Disney Blue's Disney On Demand is on the air! Now, here's your host, Jonathan Johnson. All right, LVD heads, you tuned in for another magical installment of Disney Blue's Disney On Demand. And this week for show number 110, for the week of May 7th, 2015, we're getting that much closer to summer, that much closer to having bonfires on the beach, but we're going to go the technology route this week, and we're going to hit the game grid of Tron. Yes, this week for show number 110, we have none other than Dan Shore stopping in here at the show. And Dan, you may recall, has been in a variety of cult fan favorites, including being Ram in the cult 1982 classic Tron. He was also Billy the Kid in Bill and Ted's excellent adventure, Air Force One, and Star Trek The Next Generation. And Dan is going to stop in and talk about a variety of different things from his career, his acting, and of course, his memories of Disney's hit Tron, and maybe just what it's like being excellent to each other. In addition, no show would be completed, as I always say, without the D-Team. And you have questions, and he has the answers. And Aaron is going to dip his hand in that virtual mailbag and answer all your questions in I Want to Know. We have the latest from the Walt Disney World Resort with WDW and 2, with our very own Caitlin. And we also have Nathan taking a look back at what just happened this week in Disney history. We have Jason, who's going to venture down into the vault and bring you another DVD and Blu-ray to add to your collection. And let's not forget that Disney Multimedia, and what a week it was in Multimedia, as we have Randy stopping in with Disney Multimedia. We have tons of news hot off the D-Wire, from the Disneyland Resort, Star Wars, movies, the Disney Channel, soundtracks, D23, Tokyo Disney Sea, and so much more. So, all of you D-Heads, before I officially kick off this week's show, I do want to mention that DizRadio.com is proudly sponsored by DVC-Rental.com. At DVC-Rental.com, you can save up to 60% on your next Walt Disney World vacation just by purchasing unused Vacation Club points from Vacation Club members. And spend it on what else? All those great souvenirs. So definitely check them out at DVC-Rental.com, the official sponsor of Diz Radio. So, all of you D-Heads, with that said, I'm going to dive deep into the game grid of Tron, into the future, into the far, far-fetched future, and let's officially kick off show number 110 for the week of May 7th, 2015. Let's kick off into the future. Be right back, all of you D-Heads. Can't go wrong It's time to create Time to grow 
The future's a land nobody can doubt. The future is whatever things about. It's better for you, it's better for me. It's better than what everybody thought it would be. It's time to create, time to grow. If you feel right, the world, yeah, she's changing. And life's rearranging to make you feel like the future has arrived. The future has arrived today. The future's alive. The future is alive today. The future has arrived. The future has arrived today. The future's alive. The future is alive today. The future has arrived. The future has arrived today. The future's alive. The future is alive today. Hi, this is Dan Shore from Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, from Tron, from Star Trek, from even Cagney and Lacey. You're listening to Disney On Demand. We've had to shut down all Group 7 personnel, just briefly, security. Someone with that access has been tampering. I still don't understand why you want to break into the system. Because, man, somewhere in one of these... Memories is the evidence. If I got in far enough, I could reconstruct it. You shouldn't have come back for him. Hey, 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 it's the big master control program everybody's been talking about. I'd like to go against you and see what you <laughs> I've got a little challenge for you, Sark. A new recruit. I want him in the games until he dies playing. <laughs> On the other side of the screen, it all looks so easy. You'll regret this. Who's that guy? That's Tron. That's refusers. Who is your user program? Alan. Where did you hear that name? Well, that's your name, isn't it? The name of my user. But if you are a user, then everything you've done has been according to a plan, right? Now for some real user power. I don't know how you survived. Prepare to terminate. Hope to run. Really think the users are still there? The users can no longer help us win lost. My user has information that could, that could make this free system again. I want those conscripts! You should have joined me! We'd have made a great team! No! There's nothing special about you. You're just an ordinary program. So are you, when it should have been erased. Send out every game tank in the grid! Finish the game! No! Nothing!
bright little star Though I'm light years away from her now I can't help but to feel that somehow We're both wishing on you I imagine your light in her eyes As she gazes up into the skies At this moment does she realize You are in my eyes too Star, is she wishing the same wish as me That somewhere out in space there may be A nice planet for two Where someday we'll be All alone in our own galaxy Dancing under a star canopy And our favorite is Disney Blues. Disney On Demand. Ooh, I thought you were dead. Uh, uh, With your host, Jonathan Johnson. What? My dad gave it to me. It shows exactly where we are on the planet. Boop, beep, 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 boop, boop. Was this baby? We'll never be alone. You just tell the man you want to go back to your mother. All right, all VD heads, I hope you enjoyed the official kickoff for show number 110 for the week of May 7th, 2015, as we have all kinds of fun kicking off here this week. As I mentioned, we are going into the future, and we're going to have the game grid of Tron right at our fingertips, as well as being excellent to each other, as we have none other than Dan Shore, the actor, writer, director, and more, stepping in here at the show, and he's going to talk about what it was like being part of this classic 1982 Disney film Tron, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, and so much more. We also have the D-Team, as I mentioned, Aaron, Caitlin, Nathan, Randy, and Jason, all stopping in, and tons of news hot off the D-Wire. So before I jump into everything right off the D-Wire, I do want to give you all the different ways you can stay connected here at the show. And first and foremost, you can always visit our official website at DizRadio.com. That's D-I-Z Radio. There you can find our full list of past shows, our complete archives, our latest news blogs, our lifetime of Disney player, and more right there on the official website at DizRadio.com. That's D-I-Z Radio.com. In addition, you can always connect up with us all over the social media networks at Facebook at Facebook.com slash Disney On Demand. You can friend us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash John Diz. That's J-O-N-D-I-Z. You can also join our Diz Wired Disney discussion group on Facebook as well. Just go to the groups and look up Diz Radio. 
Radio, Disney, and jump in the discussion there as well. You can also follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest, and more. Just search Disney Blue and Diz Radio. And remember, you can subscribe to the latest show right there on your mobile device on iTunes and Stitcher Radio and get the latest shows right there to listen to, enjoy, kick back, and have that lifetime of Disney right there in the palm of your hands through iTunes and Stitcher Radio. And remember, all of these are right there on our official website at DizRadio.com, D-I-Z Radio.com. Now let's jump into news hot off the D-Wire. And how about firefighters rescuing guests stuck on a ride at Disney's Animal Kingdom this last week? Yes, firefighters from the Reedy Creek Emergency Services were called to Disney to assist 12 people that were stuck on a ride. Now the guests were passengers on the Collie River Rapids attraction at Disney's Animal Kingdom, said Bo Jones, assistant fire chief for Reedy Creek. Jones said none of the passengers were injured or ill, and firefighters were called to the scene at 1.21 p.m., and by 2 p.m., everyone was off the ride and saved. Now, no one was in jeopardy or in a dangerous situation, the Reedy Creek Fire Department had stated. Now, the guests got stuck after some sort of malfunction happened on the ride, but it's not clear what officially caused the malfunction. Now that the guests were off, Disney staffers reset the attraction, made sure it was safe, and pretty much got it back in motion shortly after 2 p.m. So, all is well, and, uh, you know, it goes to show you that Disney is on top of their game. No one was in jeopardy, and the Reedy Creek Fire Department was there to help. Now, pushing along here, let's get into Walt Disney Pictures. And how about Disney planning The Night Gardener? Yes, Walt Disney Pictures has acquired the big screen rights to author Jonathan Auxier's 2014 young adult fantasy novel, The Night Gardener. Variety News has officially reported that he himself is adapting his own book for development as a live-action feature film. Now, on his official website, The Scop, or it could be the scoop minus an O, he describes The Night Gardener as follows. The Night Gardener is a Victorian ghost story about two abandoned Irish siblings who travel to work as servants at a creepy, crumbling English manor house. But the house and its family are not quite what they seem. Soon the children are confronted by a mysterious specter and an ancient curse that threatens their very lives. More than just a spooky tale, it is also a moral fable about human greed and the power of storytelling. Now, Xira is best known for his acclaimed 2011 book, Peter Nimble, and his fantastic eyes. In addition to writing, he also provides his own illustrations for all of his books. Now, Jim Whitaker will produce The Night Gardener, and among his credits with Disney are the magical family drama The Odd Life of Timothy Green, and the upcoming Pete's Dragon remake, which we talked with Helen Reddy when she was a guest on our show about. And, you know, that one, I'm pretty excited for as well. Now, there's also a variety of other ones that he is going to have on the horizon, but Disney now has officially planned The Night Gardener and acquired the rights. I think it will be fun, and it'll definitely be something new and original, which Disney needs. They need something that isn't a live-action adaption or a remake of something they already own. Now, moving right along here, let's get back to Animal Kingdom, and how about the Harambe Marketplace set to open at Disney's Animal Kingdom? Yes, what could be more exciting in Animal Kingdom than an all-new Harambe Marketplace? Now, the Marketplace setting is under construction in the Africa section of Disney's Animal Kingdom theme park. Now, it is going to be opening later this month during May, and it will provide drinks, eats, and all kinds of seats in the shade, which is an important thing when you're at Animal Kingdom or anywhere in the Walt Disney World Resort. Now, there is going to be a variety of different things that they are going to have there that are fun. Now, the Harambe Marketplace will be a new spot to eat at Disney's Animal Kingdom. It's going to open in late May. Now, the area will provide shortcuts between Africa and Asia sections of the theme park, which currently you have to take that long roundabout way to get to any of those. Now, Joan Hartwig has officially released I Had a Chance to Go on the Safari and also visit these coastal towns, and they were spectacularly beautiful. Joan Hartwig 
Hartwig said, the art director with Walt Disney Imagineering, having the opportunity to study the finishes and meet the people and look at the textiles and taste the food that will be in the environment is so important for an Imagineer. Now, all the props of the area were purchased in Africa, and she said during a small media tour behind one of the park's many construction walls this last week. So there's a lot of great things that they're going to have, true authenticity, and much, much more. I mean, it is going to be a great place to come, snack, and just have some great things that everybody can really enjoy. Now, since we are talking about food, let's go into a galaxy far, far away because we are talking about the future and gaming and all kinds of things futuristic this week. And how about the new Star Wars restaurant, Rebel Hangar, opening at Walt Disney World Resort? Yes, Star Wars The Force Awakens is still many months away, as we all know, but everybody is excited for it. And what better way to really get everyone ready for it than at Walt Disney World in Orlando during Star Wars weekends? And they're going to have a Star Wars-themed pop-up restaurant called the Rebel Hangar. Now, Disney describes it as a Star Wars lounge experience, and it will be open for business during the park's five Star Wars weekends in May and June. Now, the Rebel Hangar will look like an abandoned starship hangar located in a galaxy far, far away, according to StarWars.com. It will serve a wacky selection of Star Wars-themed food and drinks, including lightsaber bites, which are corn dogs with chips and mustard dipping sauce, a trio of thermal detonators. Yes, three pork wings topped with spicy kinds of pepper sauce. There's also the Yoda Key Lime Cake, which is Key Lime Cake shaped like Yoda's head. There's also the Imperial Blue, which is Maker's Mark Whiskey, Blue Curacao, Sweet and Sour topped with Sprite. There's the Dark Side, which is Stoli Vanilla Vodka, Bailey's Liquor, Cream to Coca, and Brownie Garnish, and much, much more. So this is going to be a fun pop-up restaurant just for Star Wars weekends, and you can hang out at the Rebel Hangar. Now, moving out of the parks here, let's get into something that's for the fans. And how about Hall 23, officially announced? Now you can go behind the scenes with Walt Disney Studios, Pixar, Marvel, and Star Wars, and the Walt Disney Parks and Resorts at D23 during the 2015 Expo. Now, D23, the official Disney fan club, has announced this last week that the lineup of the most anticipated presentations at the D23 2015 Expo, which takes place August 14th through the 16th, is going to be the Disney Legends Awards Ceremony, hosted by Disney Chairman and CEO Bob Iger, and it's going to kick off the Expo on Friday, August 14th. Now, later that same day, the Walt Disney Studios will give fans a sneak peek at the latest movies from Disney, Marvel, and Lucasfilm. Then on Sunday afternoon, fans are going to get a preview of what's in store at the Walt Disney Parks and Resorts during a presentation hosted by the park's chairman, Bob Chappick. Now, to showcase many of these favorites, Disney is creating the all-new Hall 23, an all-new 7,500-seat venue located in Hall D of the Anaheim Convention Center so that more guests than ever can see the presentations live and in person. Now, the schedule for this has now officially been released. There's a lot of fun things on the horizon, and they're going to have a variety of people that have great names that have been part of many of these like Alan Menken, Steve Martin, Haley Mills, Fess Parker, Dick Van Dyke, Barbara Walters, Robin Williams, and many more have been part of this. Now in two separate Hall 23 sessions, the Walt Disney Studios will unveil an exclusive behind-the-scenes look at the upcoming film Slate. At Friday's session, they're going to be able to check out a variety of things like Zootopia, Finding Dory, Alice Through the Looking Glass, and The Jungle Book, as well as films from Marvel and Lucasfilm. Now, the Walt Disney Parks and Resorts, the behind-the-scenes of the parks, which I know many of you, you know, park lovers out there are going to love this, they're going to talk about a variety of different things as well. Now, tickets are on sale for the D23 Expo. I am excited for this one. I will be attending. And if you want to find out more about it, you can visit D23Expo.com. And tickets range from $48 all the way through $67 
right now. So definitely jump on board, get in on it, because it's going to be fun. Now, since we were talking about the Disney movies and Zootopia being part of the D23, how about Jason Bateman and Jennifer Goodwin to voice Disney Zootopia? Yes, getting back to Walt Disney Pictures here, Jason Bateman and Once Upon a Time's Jennifer Goodwin have signed on to star in Disney's upcoming animated feature, Zootopia. Now, not to be confused with Zoolander sequel that is happening with Ben Stiller, Zootopia takes place in a city populated entirely by animals, with neighborhood standing for different ecosystems. Now, we did talk about this on past shows, but Goodwin will voice a bunny who works as a meter maid but also aspires to be a cop. Now with the help of a con artist Fox played by Jason Bateman, she tries to solve a mystery that could unravel the fabric of the city's multi-species society. Now it may or may not be good that the film does have three directors but it also has two of them that are well known including Brian Howard who did Tangled and Rich Moore who did Wreck-It Ralph. Now the third co-director Jared Bush who also wrote the screenplay of Zootopia has it set to hit theaters on March 4th 2016 as part of a busy spring that the studio will also see Alice in Wonderland through the Looking Glass and Captain America 3. I have high hopes for it. The artwork looks fantastic. Three directors, I'm not sure about, but you know what? I'm sure that if Disney is still pumping it, it's not going to get lost in the wind like Earth to Echo did where it was sold off completely from the Disney company. Now, as we're talking about Walt Disney Animation and many things, let's talk about the Disney animators, the creative talent people, the people behind many of the different Disney films, and how about a Walt Disney art director going solo at Center Stage Gallery? The Creative Talent Network is proud to present this last week, they announced, that his first solo exhibition, The Fearless Art of Mike Gabriel, at Center Stage Gallery in Burbank, California. Now, Mike Gabriel is best known for his contributions as director and art director in some of the highest grossing films in history of animation at the Walt Disney Animation Company, such as Pocahontas, Wreck-It Ralph, and the Academy Award-winning nominated short film Lorenzo during his 30 years at the studio. Now, as Mike has officially released, stylistically, I'm striving to become as unique as possible. What does my hand say to the brush and the canvas that nobody else is doing? Where does my sensibilities stray off that the expected path and veer into a true nature that my gut has a style. I also want to continue to listen to that inner voice and tell my fine art voice to shut up. Now, what do I love? I ask myself that every time I start painting. Don't think about a form, just think about a feeling. And that was officially from Mike Gabriel himself about his artwork. Now, the gallery exhibit is showing over 50 originals and hundreds of prints that are both display and for sale, all of which exhibit playful examples of a full career at the Walt Disney Animation Studios. As a companion to the exhibit are QR codes displayed at the gallery where you can listen to the words of Mike Gabriel himself. Additionally, CTN Press has created a 96-page full-color companion book that includes work from Mike's career and contributing words from Mike's colleagues, such as great art directors and more from Walt Disney's illustrious past, like Ralph Eggleston, as well as Paul Felix, and many others that were behind Frozen and Pixar Animation Studios, as well as legendary people like John Musker and many more. Now, the gallery is hosting a book signing and a launch event on May 17th, which is coming up very shortly, with many contributors in the attendance. Now, you may be asking, how can I go? Well, it is taking place in Burbank, California, and it is the fearless art of Mike Gabriel. It's taking place April 17th, which is currently just in motion right now through May 31st, and it's at Center Stage Gallery at 847 Hollywood Way, Burbank, California. Now, the book signing event is taking place on May 17th from 1 to 4 p.m. with the artist in attendance. Now, if you want to find out more about this, definitely check it out at centerstagegallery.com. 
Now, sticking with animation here, this is something, well, let's just keep it rolling. You know, we're talking about animators, we're talking about Disney. How about Phineas and Ferb to end in June with a finale, and the creators are putting a new show on Disney XD. Yes, Phineas and Ferb, it looks like summer is coming to an end, and they're going to have to get back into school, with the finale set to air on June 12th. Now, the show's creators, Dan and Jeff Swampy Marsh, have wrapped production on the Emmy Award-winning animated series, and have landed a new show called Mikey Murphy's Law. Now, the show will end on June 12th, after 126 episodes and a five one-hour specials and a popular Disney Channel original movie, according to UPI. Now, the show will, however, continue to air reruns on Disney XD and many other Disney channels around the world. Now, according to Entertainment Weekly, there will be a 73-hour marathon of Phineas and Ferb beginning Tuesday, June 9th at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time with the finale episode Last Day of Summer airing on Friday, June 12th at 9 p.m. Now, both Disney Channel and Disney XD will air the finale. Now, both of the creators will soon begin production on Mikey Murphy's Law, which follows Mikey, the fictional great-great-great-great-grandson of the Murphy's Law namesake. It is slated to premiere on Disney XD in 2017. Now, Dan and Swampy are two of the most respected and proven show creators in animation series businesses. As the Disney XD Vice President of Programming has stated, they are incredibly gifted storytellers who have track record of creating smart, original, and relatable characters that are universally appealing to both kids and families. It is a great working with them and having them being part of our Disney team. We are excited to see them in Mikey's Murphy Law and see what we can do in the future. And one last thing here, D-Heads, because we do have a lot of news on the horizon. Trust me, you haven't heard the last of me, but since we are talking about Disney Channel, you know, I like to just segue right into the next thing here. How about the cast of Austin and Allie wanting to make a Disney Channel original movie? Yes, it's no secret that many people always want the original movies of their favorite Disney Channel shows. Now, mind you, my kids love it as well, but it's no secret that fans of Austin and Allie want a spin-off movie but the stars themselves have announced this last week. Ross Lynch, Laura Morano, Caleb Worthy, and Rainey Rodriguez were all in agreement that they would love to have a spin-off movie. They said this is something that they would love to do and see where the characters go. Now, that's all that's been announced so far through a variety of different news outlets, but everybody really is excited for something like this, and it always seems to be the great farewell for many Disney Channel shows. Good luck, Charlie. I mean, you name it. Lizzie McGuire. Many of them. You know. They always have their spin-off movie before the series just pretty much tapers off and goes away. So, you know, Austin and Allie, if you're for it, maybe it'll happen if the stars are about it. Now, I did say one last thing, but let's just do one more since we're on Disney Channel, Disney Junior, all that kind of fun stuff. And how about Disney Junior debuting interactive episodes of Miles from Tomorrowland? Yes, since we're talking about, you know, Tron and the game grid and the future, let's go to Miles of Tomorrowland. And how about Miles from Tomorrowland Runway Shuttle is the first interactive episode for the popular Disney Junior intergalactic adventure series that is now part of the newly redesigned Disney Junior Episodes app. In Miles from Tomorrowland Runway shuttle, kids join Miles Callisto and his robot ostrich friend, Merc, on a space-tastic rescue mission. Now, the adventure begins with an urgent distress call from Lucky's runaway ice cream shuttle. It's up to the Callistos to save Lucky before he crashes into a volcanic moon. Now, the hugely popular Disney Junior Episodes app has been reimagined and has all new updates, and it's easy to navigate now. It's a lot more fun and kid-friendly. Now, developed by Disney and ABC Television Group's digital media team, the Disney Junior Episodes app offers all kinds of new 
interactive viewing for fans ages 2 to 7 with touch, tap, swipe, tilt, shake, and all different things. Everybody loves it. I know my kids have loved it in the past. And the Disney Episodes app did launch in 2012 with the Mickey Mouse Clubhouse Road Rally episode. Now, if you want to find out more, Miles is hitting the ground running and, well, flying or however you want to put it. And now you can interact with that as part of the new reimagined Disney Junior Episodes app. So, all of you D-heads, with that said, we have more on the horizon. We have Dan Shore stopping in from Tron, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, and many other things. We have more from the D-team. As you have questions, he has the answers. Aaron's going to stop in with I Want to Know. We also have the latest from the Walt Disney World Resort with Caitlin with WDW and 2. We have Nathan taking a look back at This Week in Disney History. We have Jason with The Vault, Randy with Disney Multimedia, and so much more. So before I release the reins to the D-team, I do want to mention that DizRadio.com is probably sponsored by DVC-Rental.com. At DVC-Rental.com, you can save up to 60% off your next Walt Disney World vacation just by purchasing unused Vacation Club points from Vacation Club members. And you can get that and save it on what else? Souvenirs. Spend it on something that you can bring home. And you can stay at the Grand Floridian Animal Kingdom Lodge and many others just by purchasing these unused Vacation Club points from DVC-Rental.com, the official sponsor of Diz Radio. So, all of you D-heads, with that said, we're going to continue on. And before I go, I do want to say Happy Mother's Day to all of you Disney mothers out there. You truly did earn it. Everybody, you know, definitely bow your head and just, you know, give her that praise. Give her that flower. Make her breakfast for anybody. And remember, a mom doesn't necessarily have to be biological. A mother is somebody that raises you and somebody that has guided you in your life. So, Happy Mother's Day to all of you. Take it away, D-team, and I will be back shortly, D-heads. On a dirty old rooftop Down below the cars in this city Go rushing by I sit here alone And I wonder why
for in their dealings with pressed envelope to Davis and Kurt right down that Mom, look, just like the end Sunday's paper. Enter the world of Tron with the Scott Paper Scott Tron sweepstakes. What can we win? A family vacation for four to Hollywood and Walt Disney Studios where the new movie Tron was created. Fantastic! And thousands of other prizes like in television game consoles plus money-saving coupons. And get a free Tron t-shirt iron-on with the purchase of two participating Scott brands. Look for details on the Scott display at participating stores. You have questions, we have answers. Let's dip our hands into the virtual mailbag and uncover the truth in I Want to Know. Hey D-Heads, this is Aaron, and it's time again for another installment of I Want to Know. Took my son the other day to see the new Avengers movie, and it was great. But the best part was seeing the new Star Wars movie trailer in 3D. That was amazing. I haven't been this excited for a movie since I was a kid. And I highly recommend going to see the new Avengers Age of Ultron. Well, you D-heads have been busy sending in questions, and the virtual mailbag is full, so let's reach in and see what questions we have for this week. Our first question is from Amy Tremaine of Pennsylvania, and she writes, Disney On Demand, I want to know more about the Disney movie Holes. I think it was based on a book, and we all know Shia went on to do bigger movies and things. Is there more to this story in the movies or books, and did the rest of the cast go on to anything else? Thank you so much. This is a great movie. Holes is a 1997 young adult novel written by Louis Sachar. It won the 1998 U.S. National Book Award for Young People's Literature and the 1999 Newbery Medal for the year's most distinguished contribution to American literature for children. In 2003, Walt Disney Pictures released a film version of Holes, which was directed by Andrew Davis and written by Louis Sechar. Although the film was a great success, the movie failed to depict that Stanley is indeed overweight. Critics stated that Holes was faithful to its literary source. This is imaginative, intelligent family entertainment. As with most books adapted to movie, the book is always more detailed but this movie is true to the story. Two companion novels have followed Holes, Stanley Yelnit's Survival Guide to Camp Green Lake released in 2003 and Small Steps released in 2006. Of course we know the well-known actors like Sigourney Weaver, John Vaught, Tim Blake Nelson, Henry Winkler, and Patricia Arquette. As for most of the other cast, they did some movie work and some TV work, but nothing major. An interesting fact, Joseph Maxwell Cash, who played Zigzag, grew up in my hometown of Ojai, California. Our next question is from Aaron of Upstate New York, and he writes, Diz Radio's Aaron and I want to know, After listening to a lot of your past shows, I wanted to ask you something you may have never tackled before, so I want to ask you about Disney and McDonald's toys. I'm aware that Disney was always having toys at the chain, but never much anymore. When do they have a falling out? Was there one toy or movie or promo that remains to be one of the most popular ones? When was the last promotion they had? Thanks in the assistance of fellow Aaron of sorts and Disney fan. Well, I always loved the Disney Happy Meal toys. They ended their relationship in 2006. The last toys released with McDonald's was the release of Cars, 
and Pirates of the Caribbean Dead Man's Chest. One of the biggest reasons that Disney ended its partnership with McDonald's was because of the children. Disney prides itself on being family friendly and they wanted to distance itself from fast food and its links to the epidemic of childhood obesity. Under the terms of the agreement, said to be worth $1 billion to Disney, McDonald's paid $100 million in royalties and conducted 11 promotions a year for Disney films, videos, and TV shows, with seven aimed specifically towards the young Happy Meal consumers. Disney also agreed to let McDonald's set up shop inside its theme park. Most of the Disney toy collections are still popular, but it seems that the 101 Dalmatian toy set is one of the most valuable, with sets selling as much as $400. What a fun question. I really enjoyed going back and looking at a lot of the old Happy Meal toys. Of course, I wish I'd kept mine. Well, our final question is from Kristen W. and she writes, I have a question about Magic Journeys. I recall it being at Epcot, and my boyfriend keeps telling me it was the Magic Kingdom. Who is right? Well, I'm happy to report that you are both correct. On October 1st, 1982, Magic Journeys premiered as one of the opening day attractions at the Journeys into Imagination Pavilion in Walt Disney World's Epcot Center. It was directed by Murray Lerner and featured a song composed by Robert and Richard Sherman. A pre-show presentation anchored by another Sherman Brothers song, Making Memories, played before the film during its Epcot Center run. Starting on June 16, 1984, it began a two-year run at Disneyland, first on the outdoor space stage, and then inside the newly constructed Magic Eye Theater in Tomorrowland. In early 1986, the film was removed from Disneyland and Epcot Center in order to make way for a new 3D film, Captain EO. In December of 1987, Magic Journeys returned to Walt Disney World at the Fantasyland Theater inside the Magic Kingdom where it was paired with the 1953 3D short Working for Peanuts. The film played in this venue for six years until it closed in December of 1993 in order to make room for Legend of the Lion King. I remember seeing this movie at Disneyland and it was a good one. Well D-Heads, that concludes another installment of I Want to Know. Thanks for the great questions and keep them coming. Send all your questions or comments to Aaron E-R-I-N at DizRadio.com Make sure to include your name and city so I can give you credit. And remember, D-Heads, laughter is timeless, imagination has no age, and dreams are forever. We'll see you next week, D-Heads. Look what's new at McDonald's. What is it, Dad? It's the stars of Walt Disney's classic movie, 101 Dalmatians and a Happy Meal. There's Pongo or Cruella DeVille. Four toys in all, one with each Happy Meal you buy.
Soothing images arise For a moment they are clear In a flash they but don't tell anybody. And you are listening to Disney On Demand. <laughs> Hi there, it's Caitlin here with WDWN2, a quick rundown of what's happening in the parks. Star Wars weekends are coming up at Hollywood Studios, and with the excitement comes a new dining experience perfect for every Jedi with an appetite. It's called the Rebel Hangar, a Star Wars lounge experience, and the menu is pretty expansive. From lightsaber bites of sausage to the dark fried chicken and Darth Vader waffles and much more, to a new drink menu featuring the Imperial Blue, Rebel Red, Dagoba Swamp Juice, the Dark Side, and Alderaan Ale to name a few, you definitely won't want to miss it. For reservations, check DisneyWorld.com dine. Speaking of Star Wars, you can now share your Star Wars style for a chance to win a Disney World vacation for two. 
All you have to do to enter is share a photo of you showing off your best Star Wars side at www.starwarsstyle.com between now and June 1st. Eight runner-ups will also win an exclusive Star Wars merchandise gift basket. And if you'd like your magic band to show off your Star Wars style, you're in luck. There are two open edition Star Wars magic bands available for $19.95 at Hollywood Studios. One is Luke Skywalker themed, and the other is a Stormtrooper. And let me tell you, they look awesome. In other merchandise news, there's a brand new accessory line just for pets that will be premiering in the parks soon. From new collars and chew toys that look like Mickey waffles, to adorable up-inspired neck kerchiefs, your pets will be set after your next vacation to Disney, because these little gifts are pretty hard to resist. Thanks for listening, and until next time, don't forget, you can fly! Ladies and gentlemen, Stitch has left the planet. Bumpy flight, and who knows where we'll land? The freezing cold of Hoth, the sandstorms of Tatooine. Or get blasted to bits by the Empire. What? Are you scared? No. Really? Because you look scared. <laughs> With more than 50 different adventures, you never know where you'll go. Star Tours new in 3D. Flights departing daily from Disney's Hollywood Studios. Ooh, somebody's got eyes for you. Greetings, users. Welcome to The Grid and another installment of This Week in Disney History. I am Nathan, ready to take you through another segment's worth of historical Disney facts and potential trivia. We have to be quick here this week with all this jam-packed history I have. I want to make it through it all before any ICPs show up and de-res me. So let's lie low, kick back, watch out for any recognizers, keep an eye out for Tron or Ram, and go on an excellent digital adventure this week as we jolt through Disney's past, present, and future. Let's get started. Starting out this week in Disney history, we begin in 1852 with Alice Liddell, who was the inspiration for Lewis Carroll's Alice's Adventures in Wonderland and Through the Looking Glass, being born in London, England. In 1860, novelist James M. Barry, creator of Peter Pan, is born in Currymuir, Scotland. In 1871, Walter Robinson Parr, the Illinois-based preacher who Elias Disney named his fourth son Walter after, is born in Liverpool, England. In 1896, novelist and playwright Dodie Smith is born Dorothy Gladys Smith in Lancashire, England. Her 1956 novel The 101 Dalmatians was loosely adapted into a Disney animated feature and released in 1961. Moving on to 1903, legendary singer and actor Bing Crosby, one of the narrators of Disney's 49 animated feature The Adventures of Ichabod and Mr. Toad, is born in Tacoma, Washington. In 1915, Ben Wright, the voice of Grimsby in Disney's 89 classic The Little Mermaid, and the voice of Wolf in the 67 film The Jungle Book, is born in London, England. In 1916, actress and Disney legend Adriana Caslotti 
the voice of Snow White is born in Bridgeport, Connecticut. In 1917, actor and Disney legend David Tomlinson, best known for his role of George W. Banks in the 1964 Mary Poppins, is born in Henley-on-Thames, England. His credits also include The Love Bug as Thorndike and Bedknobs and Broomsticks as Amelius Brown. In 1926, legendary comedian and actor Don Rickles, who was the voice of Mr. Potato Head in Pixar's Toy Story films and the voice of William in Disney World's Enchanted Tiki Room attraction, is born in Queens, New York. In 1926, actress Pat Carroll, the voice of the villainous Ursula in Disney's 89 classic The Little Mermaid, is born in Shreveport, Louisiana. You may also recognize Pat because she voiced Ursula's sister Morgana in The Little Mermaid 2 Return of the Sea. In 1929, singer, voice actress, and Disney legend Eileen Woods, who you may know as the voice of Cinderella herself, is born in Portsmouth, New Hampshire. In 1940, actor Lance Henriksen, the voice of Kerchak in Disney's 99 animated feature Tarzan, is born in New York City. Oh, I don't know about you, D-heads, but I'm starting to see a trend with births this week in history. And also in 1940, the Disney studio completed their move into their new quarters in Burbank, California. In 1944, Russi Taylor, the voice of Minnie Mouse since 1985, is born in Cambridge, Massachusetts. She has voiced Minnie longer than any other voice actor and also voiced Huey, Dewey, and Louie Duck, as well as Webby Vanderquack in the DuckTales television series. Taylor was also married to the late Wayne Allwine, who was the third voice of Mickey Mouse. They were both named Disney Legends in 2008. In 1949, singer-songwriter and piano man Billy Joel, the voice of Dodger in Disney's 88, Oliver and Company, is born in New York City. In 1961, actor George Clooney, the star of Disney's 2015 film Tomorrowland, is born in Lexington, Kentucky. In 1969, ground is officially broken for the California Institute of the Arts in Valencia, California. Also known as Cal Arts, the school was founded by Walt Disney when the Shawina School of Music and, and the Los Angeles Conservatory merged in the 1960s. Although Disney had died a few years before this groundbreaking, the Cal Arts student newspaper was still called Walt. In 1973, original Disney World Dapper Dan Jerry Siggins puts in his last day of work with the singing group. He will go on to California to finish his studies at California State at Long Beach and later sing with the Dapper Dans of Disneyland. In 1977, Space Mountain opened in Disneyland. Based on concepts by Imagineer John Hench, Space Mountain at Disneyland was designed by Bill Watkins. It is the second Space Mountain in existence, as the first one opened in Walt Disney World in January of 75. In 1981, legendary Disneyland entertainer Wally Bowe guest starred on episode 520 of the television series The Muppet Show. In 1985, the classic Disney Channel show Dumbo's Circus premiered. And in 1987, Disneyland introduced Disney Dollars, which is its exclusive line of currency featuring Mickey Mouse on the $1 bill and Goofy on the $5 bill. In 1988, the Disney Channel aired the 1955 animated film Lady and the Tramp, and this will be the first time that the film has ever been shown on television. In 1990, The Muppets at Walt Disney World aired on NBC TV as an episode of The Magical World of Disney. And also in 1990, the 100th and final episode of DuckTales aired on television. In 1991, the Walt Disney Company becomes part of the Dow Jones Industrial Average. And in 1994, Disney announced plans to create a cruise line, finally. And also in 1994, actor Alexander Gould, the voices of Nemo in Disney Pixar's 2003 Finding Nemo, and Bambi in Disney's 2006 Bambi 2, is born in Los Angeles, California. 
1995, the ABC television sitcom Family Matters debuted part two of the episode We're Going to Disney World. In 1996, the television sitcom Step by Step aired part one of We're Going to Disney World. Also, if you've not listened to the episode yet, check out episode 109 of Disney On Demand from last week to hear a fun-filled show about step-by-step star Christine Lakin, also known as Alicia Lambert. In 1997, piano-busting Yeehaw Bob Jackson debuted his one-man cabaret show at Riverside's River Roost Lounge. That's a tongue twister. At Walt Disney World's Port Orleans Riverside Resort. In 2001, Disney officially started the application process for a new Anaheim Park that would join its recently opened 55-acre California Adventure and the original 75-acre Disneyland. In 2003, Disney's stage production of The Lion King kicks off its second national tour in Chicago, Illinois. In 2005, Live with Regis and Kelly taped two shows at Disneyland to help celebrate the 50th anniversary of the park. The episodes will air on ABC TV May 9th and 10th. In 2007, Disney Channel premiered the special high school musical, The Concert, on TV. In 2008, principal photography began on Walt Disney Pictures' upcoming theatrical production, High School Musical 3, Senior Year. The all-new feature film is being shot on location in Salt Lake City, Utah, and is scheduled for release in theaters October 24, 2008. In 2011, originally reopened as a limited engagement run last year, the Captain EO attraction at Tokyo Disneyland will now remain a permanent attraction. And also in 2011, a black carpet premiere for Disney's Pirates of the Caribbean, on Stranger Tides takes place at Disneyland. And kicking off another show here, if you guys haven't listened to show 108 from two weeks ago, I suggest you check that out to hear an interview from none other than Mr. Gibbs himself. In 2012, a white male rhino calf is born at Disney's Animal Kingdom. This birth is the fourth for Mom Kendi, a 13-year-old white rhino who was the first rhino born at the Florida Park. And also in 2012, The Avengers, a superhero film produced by Marvel Studios and distributed by Walt Disney Pictures, is generally released in the United States. And we end this week in Disney history, D-Heads, with 2013 with a double fact. Iron Man 3, produced by Marvel Studios and distributed by Walt Disney Studios Motion Pictures, is generally released. And Star Tours The Adventures Continue opens at Tokyo Disneyland. Well, D-Heads, that's all again for this week in Disney history. Hope you enjoyed and learned something maybe you didn't know. Seems like we were sneaky this week and slipped past all the ICPs and got some good fun-filled facts in this week. So, I'm going to de-res and hop on out of here, and I will see you guys later. Have a great week, and see you real soon.
Hey, this is John Morris, Andy from the Toy Story Trilogy, and you're listening to Disney On Demand. Taking you on those magical journeys from your lifetime of Disney. See? Wow! It's Disney On Demand. Dibs! Here's your host, Jonathan Johnson. Okay, I'm convinced. And a little disgusted. All right, all of you D-heads, so I am back, and I hope you enjoyed the D-team here. Thank you, Aaron, for answering all those questions with I Want to Know. Remember, you can email Aaron all those questions directly at Aaron, E-R-I-N, at DizRadio.com. And you can also connect up with the D-team right there on our official website at DizRadio.com. Just go to Meet the Team page, and you can connect up with all of them. Trust me, they do not bite definitely get in touch with them so thank you Aaron for stopping in Caitlin with the latest from the Walt Disney World Resort with WDW and 2 and Nathan taking that look back at this week in Disney history so all of you D-heads we have more things as we're getting ready to hit the grid and the game grid of Tron as we have Dan Shore stopping in he's going to teach us how to be excellent to each other and what just is light and stored for the future of Tron so get ready as Ram from Tron is going to be stopping in here very shortly so with that we got to get into more news hot off the D-wire and how about Leslie Ferrano named president of Disney Consumer Products. Yes, the Walt Disney Company has named Leslie Ferrano president of its Consumer Products Division, the Burbank Company released this last Thursday afternoon. Now, Ferrano is a 16-year Disney veteran, most recently served as the Executive Vice President of Global Marketing, Sales, and Travel Operations for the company's Parks and Resorts unit. Now, her elevation is the latest in a string of executive appointments at Disney since Thomas Staggs, the former head of Parks and Resorts Division, was named Chief Operating Officer this last February, as we announced here at the show. Now, Ferrano succeeds Bob Chapek, who was named Chairman of Walt Disney Parks and Resorts this last February as well. Now, Ferrano reports to the Disney Chairman and Chief Executive Robert Iger and Staggs. Now, as they have officially released, Leslie is a highly talented, proven executive with a strong track record of creativity and innovation, Iger had stated this last week. Having managed worldwide marketing and sales for one of our largest businesses, she brings a global perspective and a deep knowledge of the company and its brand to her new position. Now, Disney Consumer Products Division turned in a strong performance this last company's fiscal quarter, which ended on March 28th. Now, the unit posted operating income of over $362 million compared to $274 million earlier in the year. Now, revenue was up 10% to $971 billion. Crazy numbers, D-heads. Crazy numbers. Now, the company partly attributed the improvement to its increase in the licensing of merchandise from its blockbuster animated film Frozen, of course, which was released in November of 2013 and grossed more than $1 billion worldwide. As Ferrano has stated, I look forward to leading this dynamic business and our incredibly talented team as we continue to launch new products and retail experiences that combine technological, innovation, and creativity for everybody. Now, Ferrano did begin her Disney career in 1999 by joining the company as Director of Marketing for Theme Parks and Resorts. Now, her newest appointment is effective immediately. Now, Staggs has said in a statement that Ferrano has a deep understanding for our brands and franchises and a solid vision of how they fit into the global consumer marketplace. Now, since we are talking about the parks, let's move on here to something that everybody knows and magic bands, yes? And how about Jason Hope and The Motley Fool have officially reported Internet of Things has reached magical Disney World. Yes, in two years, Disney's magic bands have reached over 10 million distributed. Now, the most magical place on Earth got a little more magical with the help of the Internet of Things. Now, according to April 18th article on Motley Fool, Disney World's embracing the Internet of Things has made the Disney experience better for visitors. Jason 
Hope, entrepreneur from Arizona, believes that this article shows how the Internet of Things will benefit all aspects of life, including recreation and ways of modern individuals may not even realize. Now, according to 2013's Bradley Sev's McNews article, How Disney World does the internet and it's changing things, Disney released its magic bands for public testing. Now this wearing device, as everybody knows, is your ticket, it's your sales material. We all know about magic bands by this point, but the magic band seems at first to be fairly innocent, a simple rubber band bracelet. But now they realize that it really does get interesting where they have expanded it. When a child gets lost, the bands become homing devices to find your children and many others. Now, Motley Fool and Jason Hope have dissected this in an article that I'm not going to go ahead and read here because that wouldn't be very fun for all of you D-heads out there, but it is a great read. We have it posted on our website at DizRadio.com, and it is definitely a fun one. I mean, 10 million bands distributed... Who would have thought Magic Bands would have gone so far? I myself am not fully sold on the Magic Bands yet. Well, I like the Magic Bands, I'll say that. I just don't really like the idea of having to book my attractions so far in advance. So, with that said, now let's step aside from the Disney company and how about the Walt Disney family? And how about the Disney family members joining Craft Group in funding skincare lines? Yes, Medford-based Silk Therapeutics Inc. has secured additional investment from the family members of Walt Disney for its ultra-sensitive skincare line, bringing the company's total series A1 funding to about $3 million. Now, I know this doesn't have much to do about Disney, the parks, or anything, but it is the Walt Disney family. Now, the company was founded in 2013 and initially announced in March that the craft group of Foxborough would lead a $2 million funding roundup to help the company develop a luxury skincare line aimed at those with sensitive skin and patients undergoing cancer treatments. Now, representative said the company's founding was oversubscribed and closed at $3 million with additional investments from Sherry and Roy P. Disney, as well as being part of many others behind it, including Dr. Richard Slacker and many others. Now, as they have put it, we are focused on completing the development and launch of our clean, luxurious skincare lines for consumers and patients and encouraging an early product release that will be well-received. Now, like I said, even though this isn't really huge Disney news, it is a great product that is something that they're looking into helping people that have sensitive skin like cancer treatments and many others, and the Disney family continues to invest into great things and great products as they always do continuously every single year that really goes under the radar. Now, pushing back into a few more things here before I release the reins back to the D-team and we get that much closer to having Dan Shore stop in, how about Disney expanding its SEA presence by signing a multi-year collaboration with PH Telco Globe Telecom Group? Yes, the Walt Disney Company of Southeast Asia is set to further boost its presence in the region with a multi-year collaboration with the Philippines, the number one mobile brand Globe Telecom to enhance the Filipino digital lifestyle experience. Now, this collaboration is going to help really branch off into to that area and change the dynamic of the way people interact with Disney. Now, they're going to have Disney movies on demand, the Disney on demand, Disney Maker on demand, as well as Maker and Globe are going to team up to create custom branded entertainment with digital influencers supporting the service. They're also going to have the Watch Disney Channel apps and many others. As they've released, we are thrilled to bring the Disney brand of storytelling closer to more Filipinos in this area. Through this collaboration with Globe, said Rob Gilby, Managing Director of the Walt Disney Company of Southeast Asia. With this unique collaboration, Disney fans in the Philippines will now be able to take their favorite stories and beloved characters everywhere they go across their choice of devices. Now this is fantastic. It shows you that Disney is really pushing boundaries and bringing it into new areas. And finally, one last thing. I'm going to sum it up in two sentences for all of you D-heads. How about Walt Disney Pictures, Cinderella, 
makes over $5 million globally. I'll just leave it at that. Fantastic film. So, all VD heads, with that said, I'm going to wrap up news here. We have a lot of fun things on the horizon. We have more from the D-Team, as Jason is going to dig deep into the vault with another Blu-ray and DVD to add to your collection. We have Randy stopping in later with the latest from Disney Multimedia. And let's not forget, be excellent to each other, because we have none other than Ram from Tron, the 1982 original Disney classic. Dan Shore is going to be stopping in here very shortly. So all of you D-Heads, with that said, I'm going to release the reins to the D-Team. We're going to have some more fun as we push on to our futuristic, crazy, fun show here. And when I come back, I'm going to have none other than Dan Shore here on the show. Be right back, all of you D-Heads, and take it away, team. One little spark of inspiration is at the heart <laughs> of all creation right at the start of everything that's new one little spark lights up for you oh hello there so glad you could come along i am the dream finder <laughs> musical notes what delightful melodies those will make I love these flights of fancy, searching the universe for sounds, colors, ideas, anything that sparks the imagination. A sunbeam, that's a good one. Oh, everything I collect can inspire amazing and marvelous new ideas. And you never know what kind of figment you may come up with. Oh, here's my favorite. Two tiny wings. Eyes big and yellow, horns of a steer, but a lovable fellow. From head to tail, he's royal purple pigment, and there, voila! You got a figment, a figment of imagination. Oh, 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 dream fighter, I'm just right. Uh, 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 not quite. Huh? I'll throw in a dash of childish delight. <laughs> Look, figment. Some new friends have joined us. Can they imagine too? Of course! Imagination is something that belongs to all of us. You mean everyone can think up new things. <laughs> That's right, Figment. And every sparkling idea can lead to even more. So many times we're stumbling in the dark, and then you What a spark! How are we going to use lightning? Hmm. We can combine it with ghostly shivers on a stormy night and turn them into a tale of fright. Oh, <laughs> oh, oh look, look, a rainbow. I'll use that. You paint with. Now you've got it. Wow, wow, wow. Numbers, letters, papers for writing, costumes, makeup, stages for lighting, kids off laughter. <laughs> what about science? Science? We'll need electron beams and crystal prisms, gyroscopes and magnetism, holy grass Hold and pigment. Why? The idea bag is full. It is? Let's start making new things. Now wait. First we must store these ideas with the others in the dream port. Are we almost there? Oh, the dream port is never far away when you use your imagination. Come on, everybody. Let's we go. We all have sparks. Imagination. That's how our minds create creations. <laughs> right at the start of everything that's new, one little spark lights up for you. Oh, boy. Imagination. Imagination. 
a dream can be a dream come true with just that spark in me and you. Oh, my siestas are getting shorter and shorter. EC-82 Hey gang, it's me again, Jason. Welcome back down here to the sticky arcade we know as The Vault. I'm glad that you joined us this week because I am thrilled and delighted to get all blue and giddy as we delve into the 80s style that is the Disney Vault here on Disney On Demand. As Jonathan finishes up his interview upstairs, I am glad to bring you down here, sit you down, put a coin in the slot, and possibly introduce many to a great classic, but then also give the Blu-ray specs of one of my favorite 80s classics, that being the 1982 technological marvel we call today Tron. Kevin Flynn is a former NCON employee and scorned software engineer who has had enough of his boss. Rival engineer Dillinger has stolen the codes that Flynn has worked so hard for, presented Flynn's video game as his own, and rode the success all the way to the bank. Sounds like anybody else in the 2000s and the 90s for that matter, but it happened here in the 80s. So what is someone supposed to do who feels that he's been scorned, spurned, and uh, is not loved by the world? Well, of course you break into NCON with the help, a little help from his friends, Alan and Laura. What's unbeknownst to Flynn at the time is the fact that the MCP of the company's computer is actually a vindictive AI that's ready to teleport him via a laser, quite frankly the most interesting way to be beamed in scanned into a computer has brought literally inside Encom's mainframe. Flynn waking up into this visual world realizes that his programs are living breathing people who resemble humans. These programs are designed to serve the NCP and keep the system running to peak perfection. Again sounds like the 2000s but hey who am I? But believe it or not, not everyone is created equally within the mainframe. The MCP's main man, Sark, voiced by the same man playing Ed Dillinger, David Warner, so who maliciously plays the beautiful man in The Omen, begins hunting down the renegade. But it is one of the security programs, Tron, played absolutely stunningly by Bruce Boxleitner and helps Flynn escape. Along with for the ride, of course, is Tron's would-be lover and dear friend Yori, who as Tron and she go through the world are basically the saviors of the mainframe, literally racing through every bit of imagination that a arcade game can give you from light cycles and glowing discs. Flynn finds a way to defeat the MCP gladiator style as the programs are all meant to do, and faces Stark in an endgame that is to be seen. And of course, as all good video games are ended with 100% completion, Flynn finds a means to make everything right 
in the real world. Now Tron is one of my absolute favorite live-action movies of the 80s. There is so much to enjoy and love in this movie. The colors stunningly beautiful. The acting, well, it is an 80s movie, so you have to remember the early technology is just catching up to where we are today, and so the, the jargon maybe doesn't uh, meet up to our standards today. But let me tell you, when you were a kid in the 80s, you thought for sure anybody could be scanned and rezzed into a computer. Well, there are many different means to to purchase this disc, and if you haven't gotten a Blu-ray copy of this, I, I don't know where you've been. But trust me, when it came out right away, I had to have it. And of course, you have to watch the subsequent sequel, Tron Legacy, so that you're prepared for the third installment coming soon. So if you were to receive this disc, let me tell you, the audio and video quality are superb. 5.1 digital surround is in effect. The dialogue crisp, clear, and under control, while the background noises and soundscapes are authentic to what you heard in the theater. It feels as if you have literally been rezzed into the mainframe. The video, again, the glowing blues and reds that make this classic so unique just jump out vibrantly in your Blu-ray player. What special features are you going to feast your eyes upon? Let me tell you, there are plenty to go through. Just to show what type of classic this is, you will be inundated with a joyful amount of extras that are going to blow you away. Of course, you're going to get an audio commentary track, which is always phenomenal. And it's great to listen to going back to thinking of this film. This is with the director, the producer, and the visual effects supervisor. So you get all of this on how they candidly look back at what made this film a classic. Touching on the genesis of the movie, its developments and its visuals, and the challenges they all faced while creating this film. It's followed up with an HD 10-minute The Tron Phenomenon. It's with the cast and crew discussing, of course, the legacy that Tron has produced. A Phototronogy, which is a 12-minute HD segment in which the producer, Steven Lisberger, and his son Carl visit the Disney archives to dig through the concept art. It's unbelievable. If you are a Tron fanatic, you're going to love looking at all of these old photos and this old work. Of course, there is a making of, and again, if you are a Tron fanatic, you are going to want to sit and watch every bit of this. It is going to tell you everything from the visual effects, the minor details in the story and the character, all the way to the release of the film in 82. There is a second kind of a making of, but the development, the early development sta stages of the Tron process, so to speak. This includes things like early development, uh, studio animation, uh, Computers Are People 2, it's a television short which was kind of like a sneak preview to Tron itself, and of course the gallery that was, had some concept art. A little more digital imagery on the backlight animation, 
course, nothing was computer animated back then to the degree we see today. So to learn how to do all of the unique animation and computer feel that Tron had in 82, watch this piece. The music of Tron, again, it is such a unique experience to listen to every bit, not just the music in the, as in the score, but also the musical bits that are a part of the digital world. The light cycles, the resing, the, the power discs, everything. It makes it sound like we're talking about infinity, but that's a whole other issue. And if you want to talk to me about that, well, we can sit on the other side of the vault where we have all of our video games ready to play. Publicity is also put in there. It's a 13-minute SD segment, deleted scenes. There's about three of them, and that's about six minutes. The design of, the, of it, as well as the storyboarding, and a few more galleries. As you can see, this disc set is something worthwhile to have, especially if you are a fan or if you are a newcomer to the world in which we live, that is Tron. Well, the curtains coming down in the popcorns at the end only means one thing. It's time to say goodbye to you and all of my company. But fear not, my friends. I will put my video game controller down every once in a while to bring you a wonderful Blu-ray release from the Disney archives here on Disney On Demand, inside the vault. So until then, gang, remember, the magic of Disney movies is always an extra life away and deep inside of you. End of line. Cooper. Links with dressed envelope to Davis and Kurt. Right down that. Time Magazine calls it a vision of the movie's future, sights that no eye, no camera has ever before beheld. UPI finds it utterly new, vividly exciting, a trip and a half. Newsweek describes it as somewhere you've never been, a brave new world set inside a computer. No movie has ever looked like this before. Omni calls it an imaginative, spectacular film. Tron, rated PG, now playing at a theater near you. Check local listings. Lights, camera, action. It's time for this week's Disney On Demand special guest. All right, all of you Disney fans, you tuned in for another magical installment of Disney Blues, Disney On Demand. And as we continue to bring you all the magic and memories from your lifetime of Disney, many of those are ones that you've seen in the cinema, ones that have many memories for generations getting passed down. You name it, it always continues to be passed on to generations. And with us here this week is somebody that's no stranger to any of you, whether he's being excellent to each other or he's in the game grid of Tron. You also may know him up in the president's suite in Air Force One, but we have none other than the actor, the writer, and director, none other than Dan Shore here with us. Welcome to Disney On Demand. Thank you very much. Hello, Disney people. It is our pleasure having you on. I mean, somebody of your resume, been part of so many cult classics and so many different movies that have played, you know, significant roles in cinema history. I guess with that said, I always like to start it out the same way, and I know our listeners are always uh, privy to this one, of course. What got you into acting, first and foremost? Oh, what got me started, the beginning. Oh, my goodness. Uh, that goes way, 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 way back. Um, I grew up in Greenwich Village in New York, and I went to a high school called the... Um, Elizabeth Irwin High School, which was also part of the Little Red Schoolhouse, which had a foundation in uh, liberal thought and in the arts. So while I was in the high school, we all dabbled in theater, in music, in fine art, and uh, somehow, some way, I sort of got hooked. 
that's the beginning. And it, and it, it has a lot to do with the fact that I love sports, was very good at it, but there were no girls on the soccer team. So uh, there were girls in the theater program, and that's where I ended up. <laughs> well, you know, and it's been very fruitful for you. I mean, you've been on so many different television shows, movies, and more. And, of course, you know, before we tackle all the fun Disney stuff that I know everybody's excited about with Tron, um, of, of course, going back to that, you know, that 80s era, and, of course, Bill and Ted's excellent adventure and being Billy the Kid. I mean, that movie seems to be on television all the time. Did you ever think that that role of being Billy the Kid and Bill and Ted's excellent adventure would be such a generational icon? Absolutely not. I, I did when the movie came out. As soon as I saw it, I thought, holy cow, this is really fun. It's one of the original uh, uh, Dumb and Dumber movies. It's one of the original um, stupid movies. However, the difference between Bill and Ted and some of the other stupid movies is that our characters are actually delightful. And they're lovable. <laughs> and they're not making, they're not being the brunt of a bad joke. What they are are actually delighted simpletons who are madly in love with life. And that's what's really magical about Bill and Ted and why it's lasted all of these years. And to be that big, no no clue. We just <laughs> thought it was this silly movie created by these really funny writers who were having fun with with the the medium of time travel and the medium of, of film. And uh, we thought it would be a blast to play with that. Well, you know, and with that movie, too, I guess when you read the script and you realized I'm going to be Billy the Kid, and of course, Billy the Kid is a significant role in the film. Um, what really drew you into wanting to be part of this just silly, you know, rampage of uh, just timeline? It was just silly. Silly for silly's sake. Now, I grew up in a, in a time where we wanted to change the world. You know, I grew up... a uh, hippie and grew up in the 60s and the 70s when we were going through a cultural revolution, which I may add right now that we need to go through that again, ladies and gentlemen, but um, not to get too political, but um, it was, I also believe that entertainment for entertainment's sake is not a bad thing at all. If something is actually funny and you read it and it makes you laugh and your purpose in life is to crack other people up, that's not a really bad thing to do. It's pretty wonderful, as a matter of fact. Well, definitely, you know, and that movie has now lasted for, you know, so many different generations. It's been passed on. Um, I've passed it on to my children, and everybody just really does love that film, and it, it just really maintains that staple in cinema history. Now, you know, moving along here with Bill and Ted, I guess, I, I guess before we go on, I, I will ask one more thing. Was there a lot of fun hijinks on the set? Because it seems like it would just be a really fun film to shoot. Lots of fun, lots of hijinks, lots of improv, and just, it was just plain goofy. It was goofiness, and that's the only way we could describe it, and uh, goofiness was encouraged. Um, the goofier we could get, the happier everybody was. And it was a really interesting thing. When What I remember about it is, you know, I got the part playing a very simple, hi, I'm Billy the Kid, and doing this wonderful archetype of what a, a, a wacky young cowboy would be like. And then I did all the research about Billy the Kid and realized he was this wacky, truly insane syphilitic lunatic. And started at our first day of shooting on the set and started to play him like a syphilitic lunatic. And the director said, Dan, 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 no, 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 this is black and white. Just be silly. Be that young cowboy. This is not a history of Billy the Kid. This is... Bill and Ted's excellent adventure, not Bill and Ted's syphilitic adventure. <laughs> 
so it ended well, up you know, a far more simplistic and silly character, and that and that is what they wanted, and that and that's then they're so right. Well, you know, and aside from just Billy the Kid, is there any one character from that film that has been your absolute favorite when you go back and watch it? Um, well, several, several, but uh, Jane Wheatland and I became friends, and I keep I, I run into her around. And just, I saw her last year. She came to New York with the Go-Go's, and she was incredible. I love Jane Wheatlin, and the two characters, my character and her character, just had this really wonderful rapport. And I think, uh, you know, they just did. Billy the Kid and Joan of Arc belong together um, <laughs> in every way. But I also remember very distinctly that Ted's mom was the hottest woman who ever lived. <laughs> well, you know, I don't think any I don't think anybody would argue with that because, you know, that's uh to the point where uh I think in the sequel she moved on to be Bill's mom. Oh, oh, oh yeah. <laughs> the hottest woman who ever lived. Well, you know, aside from Bill and Ted, you know, you've been part of so many other iconic things, you know, throughout your career, and one of those that I know many people will want me to touch base upon. So, before we get to other things, I'll just get jump right into Tron. And you know, of course, everybody knows you from Tron as Ram and um, you know, Tron was an iconic classic, ahead of its time, something that some people didn't even grasp at the moment. And I guess what drew you into that role and did you completely understand all the dynamics and the uh, computer geekery that was was Tron back in 82. In 1982, there were no computers, and there were barely computer games. There was Pac-Man. And, <laughs> um, and I was not a computer nerd. I'm still not a computer nerd. I can barely run my email. Okay, I can run my email. But I can barely do anything on the computer. I, I have a video production company, and I, I can't even do iMac editing. I need to hire someone to do that for me, or I have friends do it. But uh, really, I, no, I am completely untech savvy. But what I am is really fascinated with the concept of alternative uh, universes. And I'm very aware now, especially after all of this time, that the Master Control Program is an absolute real concept. And the fact that users create their programs and their programs take life, all you have to do is go on Google and all of a sudden they're throwing you order some underpants and you are getting underpant ads for the rest of your life. Some master control program is reading your thoughts and offering things that you didn't even know you wanted. And it's really happening now. Thank goodness most of us aren't involved in espionage and we're not being spied on to, well, okay, we're all being spied on. But it's not necessarily going to affect our lives. But it's real. Tron, the Tron universe is real. Um, and uh, when you look at it now, uh, what a work of genius. Lisberger was a frigging genius, and he still is. Well, you know, and with that, you know, getting that role of Ram in the original Tron, um, what drew you into that originally? Because it was such a new era and a new dawn. And, and what were your thoughts of the final film when you finally saw it on the big screen? Uh, well, we thought we were making a superhero movie, and I thought I was playing Robin to Vox uh, Leisner's Batman and Jeff Bridges' you know, Everyman. And um, we thought we were in this, and when we saw it, we knew that that was true. Um, yeah, I mean, it was this technological marvel, but to us, it was a story about brotherhood and um, sisterhood with um, Yuri also, but it was about uh, heroic beings surviving uh, uh, an all-powerful dictatorship. And, um, well, yeah, that's what it was about to us, and it was pretty cool, really cool. 
Well, you know, and it was ahead of its time with the animation, the film st- uh, c- uh, cinematography, as well as the storyline. It was very well ahead of its time. Now, yeah, we were shooting role. a cartoon, and we knew we were shooting a cartoon because we it was completely storyboarded, brilliantly storyboarded, and we were following that storyboard and Lisberger defining the scenes to us as we'd act them out on this black stage. Um, it was black box uh, acting, which had probably not been done in, well, everybody had done green screen acting before, but this was three-dimensional green screen acting, and, you know, there was stuff being thrown at us, and we'd have to be told to us by Lisberger as we're performing in front of nothing, and it was pretty fun, it was just absolute fun, and uh, we knew what we were into, and uh, had a great time. Well, you know, and with being on the set and, you know, uh, being part of Tron, are there any good stories or anything that will go down in your memoirs of something, you know, from the set, whether that's on screen or off screen, that you'll always uh, kind of take to your grave as a memento from working on that film? I just remember one scene when I was, when I, when I was derezzed. The scene when I was derezzed and Jeff Bridges looks in my eyes, it now looks like a black and white Myrna Loy romance. You know, it's like this... You know, the Jeff and I are looking deeply into each other's eyes and don't die, Ram. You know, it's like a lassie come home moment. I remember Jeff picks me up. I'm still alive. And Jeff picks me up and carries me across the room. We laughed so hard so many times. Um, we just couldn't stop cracking up that day. It was it was one of those where, the, where we got the giggles and it went on for take after take after take, and there was nothing we could do until Lisberger came up and just smacked me really hard on the head, well, you know, and we were wearing these helmets, so I just got to <laughs> and it just shut me up and just made us stop, and all of a sudden, we have the scene that you see in the movie. Now, I will never forget it. Never forget that. Never forget it. Well, you know, and with that film, too, it has gained such a huge cult following, for, uh, you know, from Disney fans, uh, tech geeks, you name it. This film has gained such legs for so many years. Did you, I guess, much like Bill and Ted, did you ever think that in a million years that uh, Tron would just keep get this cult following where, I mean, people are really entrenched into the Tron universe all from this one film? No, but then again, at that time, we didn't know that I don't think there was a geek universe. So what has happened since is with with all of these Comic-Cons and these Geek Fests, that all of a sudden there is an entire universe and a communication medium for all of these people to find each other. Now, I haven't been to a lot of Comic-Cons, but I've been to four or five of them. And each time I go, I'm absolutely amazed by the amount of people who used to be the outsider nerds. And I call them nerds to their faces, so look, nobody has ever been insulted from me when I call them a nerd because I don't mean it negatively. I mean it with an absolute sense of admiration because they have now, as we know, we all know, have taken over the world. It's their world now, and we're now living in it. So um, when they now can control what we see and what the the film companies make now because they are the most loyal audience. You know, so it's fascinating to me that, that this is who Tron was made for. I mean, if you look at the, if, if you walked to any Comic-Con now and you look around the room and you see all of these guys, they all look like friggin' Steven Lisberger, who was, you know, the original comic nerd. <laughs> and God bless them because they're happier than anybody I've ever met. <laughs> these guys have found each other and it's, it's the most wonderful thing. It really is. 
Well, you know, and with that, too, like you said, since it is their world, you know, they're part of the reason that, uh, you know, Tron Legacy had came about. And, you know, that was just bigger than ever. And then, of course, you repri- uh, you reprised your role as Ram in Tron the next day, which was a short on the DVD, which kind of sets up the newest film. What was it like when you got approached for that? And they're like, all right, we want to toss some extras on the DVD and really pay, you know, homage to the fans. Um, look, it was it, it touched my heart. Now. I'm going to say something now that I really never should say. Actors should never, I've been told over and over again, never talk about the negative uh, ramifications of a career. Everybody knows in the industry of filmmaking, acting careers go up and down and up and down and up and down. It's just how it is. It's the nature of the universe, except for Jeff Bridges. But everybody else, their careers go up and down and up and down and up and down. Um, Mine had disappeared. Um, Partially due to my own choice, I left the country, I went to the South Pacific, and lived in the, on a, a Pacific atoll on Saipan for four years, and then lived another year in the Philippines. And then left, you know, I had left California, completely left the industry, and then came back to New York to take care of my parents, which is where I am now. But my career was virtually over, um, and it was never really my choice, but it was over. And so when they called me back to do Tron, I was like, oh, my God, thank you. I mean, when Tron 2 came out and I wasn't in it, i got to say, I was pretty damn pissed off. Um, there is no reason for RAM not to be re-resed. We now know that users create their programs, and their programs may evaporate or be de-resed. They can always be re-resed. They are your program. The user can recreate that program in its own image so easily because that's what we do. I've done it over and over again. You change your email, you recreate your program. It happens over and over again. So I thought I would be re-resed. And when I wasn't, I was pissed off. Then what I found out is they wanted me for the next day, and I was, like, so touched. And you can see, actually, if you watch the, the next day, and when they tell me, we need you, Ram, if you look at my face, my face isn't kidding. When it says, me? Um, <laughs> it is really nice. Ram is in, is, is it the most generous creature in the history of the world, and his purpose in life is to be of service, and he only waits in a vacuum in a bubble to be of service. And when he is asked again, it is the most touching moment in Ram's life, and Ram needs to live. So uh, I do want to be in Tron 3. I have yet to hear anything. I just heard that Tron 3 is happening. It's happening. We've all heard it. It's been announced. And yet I have not been announced. I have not heard anything from Disney or from anybody about Tron 3. And um, it's not so much that I want to be in Tron 3. Ram needs to be in Tron 3. Well, and with the fans, you know, with the next day and having Ram, you know, make that appearance at the end of there, I think it really does set up for Tron 3 and this new alternate universe. And I think it's one of those things where I think fans are really looking for that connection because if it's for any franchise to continue, as we've all learned over the years, is people really want to have that original cast back and those original characters. Even if they're meshing with new, younger, creative talent, they want those original characters to help push that storyline and you know from what it sounds like and that's who the that's who it's not just who the audience is it's who the the film is about you know we (laughs) remember who these guys are i know who the audience is you know and they do want us and um they want us because we were them we were the first super nerds who got in put on costumes who put on tights 
you know, and uh, that's who Ram was, one of the originals. Well, you know, and with and with that too, you know, I mean, when you know, like you said, you're upset you weren't in Tron Legacy, but now you know, with the next one being announced, and I'm sure they're finalizing stories, um, you know, and what it sounds like is you would be game on, no pun intended, to actually jump right in and be Ram once again, correct? Yes. Are you kidding me? Here's the thing, guys. Listen, uh, Tron Universe. If any, if you, you know, you always ask me, Dan, what's it like being in a movie? What's it like being in Tron? It is as much fun as it seems like. And when someone asks you to be in a movie, it is one of the better things that could happen in your life. That's just a fact. Um, acting in films may be the most fun any human being can ever have, if it is in your genetic makeup. Now, it's clearly in my genetic makeup. My body, I love it. <laughs> I love it. You know, if you ask me, Dan, can you go down and create a computer program for someone? The answer is, hell no. It's not in my genetic makeup. I can't do that. But what I can do is actually play make-believe on in motion pictures and on television and on the stage. It's something that I, that is my genetic makeup, and it is the happiest moment in my life. Um, so, guys, if somebody ever asked you in a movie, would you want to be in it? Hell yeah, you would. It's the coolest thing ever. And yes, I want it, and I want it really bad. And I am really unashamed to say it. And I'm asking uh, Tron fans, help my ass. Tell Disney that you want to re-res Ram. Ram needs to be re-resed. And, you know, I've always been told as an actor by agents, publicists, don't ever show them you're hungry. Well, I'm not just hungry. I'm starving, and I love Tron. I love Ram. And Ram needs to be used. He needs to be of service. This is the truth. And I'm unashamed of this hope, dream, and desire. Well, you know, and with that, you know, many of our fans out there and Tron fans, you know, that I'm sure somebody listening in right now is going to be uh, helming the, the uh, fight to make sure Ram gets back into Tron 3. So, you know, if it, if it, if it happens, uh, you know, this was the starting point. And you know something else? It's something, you know, when you create a project, if you're part of a creation of a project, it's sort of like a marriage. Do you know what I mean? You do fall madly in love with that project, and you believe that it is part of your DNA. Um, and I feel that way. I know Cindy Morgan feels that way. I've talked to her about this. Box Lightner, of course, feels it. So does Jeff Bridges. We all feel that sort of, this is part of our DNA. And it, and it's not just a gig for us. It's not just a paid gig. That's the thing. If you think I'm doing this because I really want the money, I, I do. But more importantly, I really believe that Tron is part of my spirit. It's part of, it's part of me. I helped create it. I'm one of its parents. I want to be in the lifetime of this, my child. And, um, and that's real. And I would say the same thing about Bill and Ted. If Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure is going to do a third, hell yeah, I want to be in it. It's part of my childhood. It's mine. It's part of my baby. And there are other films and projects that I've done that I want to be a part of if they ever continued. Because I gave birth to them. You know, I want to be part of my wife's life. I want to be a child, part of even my ex-wife, the one that I don't live with anymore. I still care about her existence. <laughs> well, you know, and with that, too, you you know, as you said, you, you've given life to so many different things and, you know, being passed on. If people ask you into other things, you've also reprised, uh, you know, the same role on Star Trek twice. And, uh, of course, you know, would you be open to coming back on once again and reprising that role? Uh, absolutely. Yes. Hell yeah. Um, Dr. Arador the Ferengi on Star Trek is one of the most fun characters I've ever played. 
I'm madly in love with him. Um, he's hilarious, and he's just uh, avaricious. He's deliciously avaricious. He's a starving thief of love. I love this guy. Madly in love with him. I would do him in a heartbeat. And I've always wanted them to come back to me, and I'm continually shocked when they don't. It's one of the best <laughs> things I've ever done. I love that guy. Well, you know, so many different things from your career. You know, you've had so been part of so many different movies, and many things have been passed down to generations. I guess with all of your fans out there, and fans of Tron, Bill and Ted, Star Trek, um, anything else out there, is there any final words that you'd like to leave out there for any of your fans that are tuning in that are fans of Dan? Uh. I, you know, here's a funny thing. Everybody who meets me, you know, I go to these uh, comic cons. I don't go often, but when I do go, what's really amazing is that people do kind of get it. And it's, uh, you know, my, my, you can't always tell that's Dan from one role to the next because I often do a chameleonic change. But um, it is one thing that anybody needs to know about what I do. It's pretty obvious is that I do fall in love with what I do. I fall in love with the characters that I play, and I fall in love with the projects that I'm in. And um, that's what I've dedicated my artistic life to. And I know I'm not the only one, and I know I'm speaking very deeply and esoterically, and I'm not being shallow and silly. But I think that's the truth, and um, that's really how I approach my artistic world. And you know what? That's what Disney does. That's what Walt Disney did. He was madly in love with everything he did. It's even the sillier it is, it's still silly with love. There is no. Uh, um, it, it's just not. Um, it's always of value. I'm going with that. Well, you know, we know you're busy. So many different things on a plate, and of course, we're going to helm that getting Ram into Tron Three. Re-res Ram. Yeah, let's re-res Ram. Let's start the uh, start the campaign here. And, you know, it was our pleasure having you stop in and take this trip, uh, you know, through your career. And hopefully we're going to be able to re-res Ram into Tron 3. So thanks once again, Dan, for stopping in. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Now, a motion picture so grand, so magnificent, and so vast, it spans 7,000 years. No way. Yes way. But it starts with Bill. I'm Bill S. Preston. Who was Joan of Arc? And Ted. Noah's wife? We're in danger of flunking most heinously tomorrow. A force from the future. Can we go anywhere we want at any time? You can do anything you want. Is putting history at their fingertips. Let's reach out and touch someone. They're traveling through time. How's it going, royal ugly dudes? Put them in the Iron Maiden. Excellent! Execute them. Bogus. And they're making a big impression. Historical babes. Now they're home. Buddy, get together. Remember who your buddy is. To trash the 20th century. We got a live one here. Keanu Reeves, Alex Winter, Napoleon. We're from history. Billy the Kid. Oh my God. Joan of Arc. Sigmund Freud. Tell me about your mother. You a musician? Beethoven. Genghis Khan! Abraham Lincoln. Party on, dudes! Socrates. George Carlin. We're history. If you guys are really us, what number are we thinking of? 
69, dudes! <gasps> Bill and Ted's Excellent! Excellent! Excellent Adventure. Party on, dude.
Hello D-Heads and welcome to another segment called Disney Multimedia. My name is Randy Reeker and I'll be giving you the latest news on the Disney company and so much more. Without further delay, let's go ahead and jump in with the latest. For those who are enjoying the Star Wars celebration on May 4th, here's some great apps that you can add to your little collection. Yes, Star Wars Scene Maker is one of the apps that you can download for free for a limited time this month where you can create all the wonderful scenes from the Star Wars trilogy and create your own characters with using their own little actions, their uh, weapons, and as well you can use voice dialogue from the movie. And this is also included wonderful six different scenes that you can choose from, of course, including the Darth Star Attack, Endor, Cloud City Duel, and so many other scenes. It's very cool, definitely a wonderful app to add. It's been a very popular app in the in-store when it comes to Star Wars Trilogy. So Star Wars Scene Maker is one of the free apps that you can download for free in the App Store. Star Wars The Beginnings. Relive the wonderful epic origins or discover them for the first time as you read, race, and battle your way through these exciting retellings of the first three chapters of Star Wars. Phantom of the Menace. The Attack of the Clones and the Revenge of the Sith that are three chapters that you can read plus 15 different scenes of original art for a limited time here in the Apple App Store so be sure to add that to your collection. For those who are playing the Disney's Infinity series on your Xbox One, Xbox 360, your computer, PC, now, Marvel was part of this new addition in the 2.0 collection. 3.0 will be coming out fall of 2015 is Star Wars. Yes, again, Star Wars is going to be making its way into the collection this fall. You can order it now and pre-order PlayStation 3, PlayStation 4, Nintendo Wii U, Xbox One, and Xbox 360. Is Disney getting a little carried away with the Star Wars name and the brand itself? Do you think Disney Infinity is worth up to the titles of having Star Wars along with all the other brands that has been released? What's your thoughts? Well, this is Randy signing off for the Disney Multimedia. Be sure to keep your eyes, ears, and senses alerted with the latest Disney Multimedia around you. Until then, see you next time. Hey, D-Heads, you're listening to Disney On Demand, a new kind of Disney show, only on DizRadio.com, D-I-Z Radio.com. All right, all of you D-Heads, so I'm back, and I hope you enjoyed this week's show. Fantastic fun, you know, being excellent to each other, hitting the game grid of Tron, and much, much more. So thank you, Dan, once again, for stopping in and sharing all those great memories. And let's see if we can re-res RAM for Tron 3. Thanks, Dan, once again, for stopping in. I'd also like to thank the D-Team. Yes, Aaron, Caitlin, Nathan, Jason, and Randy, all for stopping in here this week for their signature segments. Yes, without the D-Team, you'd have nothing else than me rambling on week in and week out. Definitely connect up with the D-Team. They don't bite. Well, they might bite. I'm not sure. But they don't bite that I know of. So definitely connect up with them at DizRadio.com. And most of all, thank you, the D-Heads. You are the reason we do this show. You are the reason we are celebrating over five years of Disney On Demand. So thank you for tuning in and making this show exactly what it is, a journey into your lifetime of Disney. So thank you all of you D-Heads for tuning in every single week. 
Now, before I let you in as to who's going to be stopping in here next week for show number 111, I do want to give you all the different ways you can stay connected here at the show. And first and foremost, you can always visit our official website at DizRadio.com. That's D-I-Z Radio. There you can find our full list of past shows, our complete news archives, our lifetime of Disney player, and more right there on the official website at DizRadio.com. That's D-I-Z Radio.com. You can also connect up with us all over the social media outlets on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Disney On Demand. You can friend us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash John Diz. That's J-O-N-D-I-Z. And remember, you can always jump in the discussion on our D-Wire Disney Discussion Group on Facebook as well. Just go to the groups page and search Diz Radio Disney and jump right into the conversation right there. And you can always find us on Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest, and more. Just search Disney Blue, that's B-L-U, or Diz Radio, D-I-Z Radio. And if you want to get the latest shows on your mobile device, on your iPhone, your Android, and more, definitely subscribe through Stitcher Radio and iTunes and get the latest shows right there on your device to listen to and enjoy. So, all of you D-heads, with that said and all that out of the way, next week we're going to get freaky, we're going to eat some fried worms, and we're going to take a look back to many of your childhood, as we have none other than Ryan Malgarini stopping in here at the show. And you may recall him from the Freaky Friday remake, as well as How to Eat Fried Worms and many other great classics that you had while growing up. So Ryan's going to stop in here and help us celebrate show number 111. So all of you D-heads, with that said, Mother's Day is coming up, so definitely honor your mother, really remember her, do something special, and as I always say, as we get busy, as life gets crazy, step back, slow down, and never neglect family for business. Until next week, all of you D-heads, I will catch you on. As you board, please move across your car to make room for everyone and kindly offer available seating to those needing special assistance. If you're standing, please hold on to the handrails and stay clear of the automatic doors. They will be closing in a moment. Thank you. We will be traveling to the Transportation and Ticket Center. If you are traveling to Disney's Contemporary, Polynesian, or Grand Floridian Resorts, please exit this monorail. The monorail on the opposite side of this station services our resort hotels. For assistance, please ask a monorail host or hostess. If you are standing, please hold on to the handrails and stay clear of the doors. They will be closing in a moment. The monorail will depart momentarily for the Transportation and Ticket Center. Thank you. Welcome aboard the Walt Disney World Express Monorail to the Transportation and Ticket Center. For those of you standing, please hold on to the handrails throughout our journey and stay clear of the doors. For the comfort of others, no smoking please. Thank you. We hope you've enjoyed the Magic Kingdom. Within the 47 square miles of the Walt Disney World Resort, you'll discover much more entertainment and recreation for all ages. Each themed Disney Resort features daytime and nighttime activities. For a wide variety of shopping, dining, and nighttime entertainment, visit Disney's Boardwalk or Downtown Disney, which includes the Marketplace, Pleasure Island, and the West Side. We also invite you to experience River Country, Typhoon Lagoon, and Blizzard Beach, our themed water parks. Coming up on the lagoon side is Disney's Grand Floridian Resort and Spa. This picturesque Victorian-themed resort provides a taste of -of turn-of-the-century Florida with the modern conveniences of a full-service spa and health club. You can enjoy breakfast or dinner with the Disney characters at 1900 Park Fair or dine on the shores of Seven Seas Lagoon at Narcoosies. 
Citrico's in the main building specializes in a mix of market-fresh Floridian and Mediterranean meals that change with the season. Each night here on the Seven Seas Lagoon, we present our electrical water pageant. This shimmering musical parade features King Neptune and other creatures of the deep. Located between Disney's Grand Floridian and Polynesian Resorts is Disney's Wedding Pavilion. Couples may exchange vows in a fairy tale setting, complete with the picturesque backdrop of Cinderella Castle. Experience a South Seas Island adventure at Disney's Polynesian Resort. Inside the Great Ceremonial House, you can enjoy breakfast with Minnie Mouse or a unique dining experience at Ohana. Other evening entertainment includes the Polynesian Luau Dinner Show and the Neverland Club, a supervised dinner buffet for children. Ladies and gentlemen, we are approaching the Transportation and Ticket Center. This includes all sections of the Magic Kingdom car and bus parking lot. If you are traveling to Epcot, please exit here and board the monorail at the connecting monorail station. Separate bus transportation is provided to Disney's Animal Kingdom, the Disney MGM Studios, Typhoon Lagoon, and Downtown Disney, which includes the Marketplace, Pleasure Island, and the West Side. Buses also travel to Disney's Fort Wilderness Resort and Campground and Disney's Wilderness Lodge. Should you need additional assistance, a host or hostess will be happy to help you. This monorail will be returning to the Magic Kingdom. Ladies and gentlemen, if you're standing, please hold on to the handrails and stay clear of the doors until the monorail stops completely and the doors open. If this concludes your visit to the Walt Disney World Resort, we hope you've had a wonderful time and will return home safely. This is the Transportation and Ticket Center. Thank you for traveling with us. Ladies and gentlemen, please collect your belongings and watch your head and step as you exit. Please assist small children by the hand. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to Disney Blues, Disney On Demand. The content and thoughts expressed are those of the show and not the Disney company. Now go on and relive the magic, memories, and appreciation from your lifetime of Disney. See you real soon.